the lights are being out for a reason. And it's not sleeping reasons. If you would, I ask you that you would keep your lights off for a minute. And, and we'll get to there in a minute. But some say there's a great darkness over this world. Some say there's a darkness over the USA. And some have said there's a darkness even over Oakland Church. Some in this room today may have a darkness over them. But Jesus said, I have come as a light to shine in this darkness world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in darkness where there was great darkness Christ came into the world the theme that you're hearing today a lot is repent and This RPWF, repent, pray, get in the word, and fast will equal revival. And and that's what the Lord has put on my heart for this month, that we repent, that we pray, that we get in the word, and that we fast more than we ever had, that we come together as a body, that we do this together. Uh, The signs you see upon the wall, there's what we had up there Wednesday night of things that we're coming in an agreement for, and they'll probably change uh, this coming Wednesday, but we're just coming out here to allow the Lord to examine us and, and repent. And, and to be honest with you, I can't get away from that right now. In uh, uh, all this series, I wanted to go through and talk about each one of them, but the Lord keeps drawing me back to repent to the point that, that what I'm preaching today, I'm going to give you pot shots because the Lord kept insisting to do this today. And so I've just got a few notes written out here today. Uh, the slideshow is actually 45 because uh, of the, the things I had planned for today. But the Lord said, no, we need to talk about repent. And I thought it was so neat because uh, the Lord has used Joel and he's used Nick and he's used this service to enforce what he's saying because so many times that, that we think repent is such an ugly word. But I want to show you what the Bible says. And and, and this has already been said today. This has already been preached today. But Matthew 4, 16 and 17, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light had shined from then on Jesus. From then on, Jesus began to preach. And this is what I want you to get a hold of today. Uh, From then on, Jesus began to preach Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's why we repent because the kingdom of heaven is there. When I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I repented and I came into the kingdom in the presence of God. As I go on through lies, when I do bonehead things that separate me from the love of God and from the presence of God, not by his choice, but by my choice, that I can repent and go back into him. Uh, guys, I preached it a few weeks ago on repentance, or excuse me, sin, uh, 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 transgressions, and iniquity. 
And I preached on that, and the Lord showed me on now that's three different levels that, that we're all dealing with sin every day, and, and we repent, and the forgiveness is there, and we continue on. But when we allow that sin to, to continue in us, it becomes a trespass to the point where I'm mad at Debbie, and I don't say anything. I just keep avoiding it, and finally I get mad, and I blow up to her. I made a transgression against her. And I need to repent of that so that I can get back where I was with the Lord. But, but say I don't repent of that. I blow up on her. I eat her lunch. I do all these things. So the sin has gone from sin to transgression because I didn't repent. And I keep going in and it turns into iniquity. Iniquity is the point where, where I don't care anymore. This is what I'm going to do. And I don't care what anybody thinks. And it becomes a light to me. And I'm just going to keep doing it. And that's when we're in dangerous ground. But God is forgiveness. Christ is forgiveness of all these things. But we got to step into it when we mess up and say, Lord, I want to be there. A good example of what I'm talking about right now is we said that that sin kind of comes at us and we don't repent. So that darkness kind of comes over us, kind of puts the light down. When we go on and we don't do anything about it, it can put the light out. And we need to stay close to him in repentance So Jesus said when we repent, the kingdom of God is near, that we can repent and that we can grow closer to him in in all aspects of our lives. In other words, when I repent of something like anger that just ruled my life and, and wrecked my marriage at times, hurt my children at times, when I can overcome that, man, I'm living in the kingdom of God. You see where I'm at today? When we can continue to grow, repentance is growing in the things of God. John Wesley said it well, that, that, that founded a Methodist church. Uh, repentance to him was just self-awareness. And I read an article of a man that took his words and took the these and the thighs out to where we could understand it. But this is what John Wesley said about uh, repentance. He called it self-awareness. Uh, repentance brings the, the kind... The, the kind of self-awareness that goes further than identifying moral failures. You heard Nick talk about that earlier. We all say, well, I haven't done a moral failure, so thus I don't have any problems when I'm a, a biggest weenie that can be in town everybody tries to avoid because of your attitude. In other words, we categorize out sin and stuff. But it goes on to say uh, it shines a spotlight on the soul-corrupting that manifests as a moral failures, broken relationships, pride, shame, self-hatred, and somewhat ironically self-centeredness. So what I was saying here, and I see in these words today, he's talking about how sin not only, uh, or repentance not only takes us from uh, uh, the sin of uh, sexual immorality, as Nick was talking about, but it also brings us through a self-hatred. You know, a lot of us in here, self-hatred really don't hurt anybody but ourselves. But, but I can go around to these youth and talk to these youth and half of them identify with self-hatred. A lot of adults can identify with self-hatred. Christ doesn't want that in our lives as believers, but we can be so upset with ourselves. We don't like ourselves. We hate ourselves. And we are just so sick of ourselves to the point where we're depressed. Darkness is coming in. And if we don't repent, we can't stay in the kingdom of God because we we're just out of there. We don't want it. And that's what, what repentance it is. It's, it's, it's getting being self-aware 
of the junk that's going on in our life and that we can change it so that we can be closer to Jesus. And again, Jesus has already paid the price. The forgiveness is there and we're no longer judged for, for unrighteousness, but righteousness. So we're pressing into that righteousness through repentance. Repentant living, Wesley goes on to say, doesn't mean living in fear of God, constantly admitting guilt or saying sorry with every other breath, though you have been freed through faith in Jesus. Repenting, repentant living means truly knowing yourself, recognizing you're wounded, you're broken, your tendencies towards sin, and even the inward and outward sin you still commit and you continually offer up those things to God our Savior who is the only one who can rescue us from all these and has already done so if we only believe. Another way to think of that is there's things that God has, that I've repented of and they've never been a problem again. But there's things that I battle and and I examine myself and I'm self-aware of and and the Lord will hit me the other day, hit me with a deal, can't you open the door back up again? you've, You've taken care of that, but you're opening the door back up again. Close the door. That's been self-aware. Father, thank you for showing me that because that can cast darkness into my life and situation. And so I challenge myself and I change that. But self-aware, being self-aware of what's going on in your life and trying to be closer to Jesus. The Bible tells us how to deal with, with, with these, this darkness that's in our life and, and that is press into the light. Uh, he, he talks about in Isaiah 58 that, that how to let your light shine, but, but we're to let our light shine and, and walk and move in this, this repentance and growing closer to the Lord. But we do it through feeding the hungry, helping those in trouble. Uh, then let your, your light shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as a noonday. This is Isaiah. So if you want to get rid of darkness, let that light, let the kingdom of God rule in your life. And again, that's what we're talking about today. Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of God is here. We want the kingdom of God here, so we're going to step out and let our light shine. We're going to come against the darkness that is in our life. Boom. Last week we talked about it. Satan, or two weeks ago, Satan wishes to sift you, Peter, is what Jesus was telling the disciples. And I believe that Satan wishes to sift us here today. And Jesus said, no, I've already taken care of it. I'm I'm praying for you. I'm interceding in your life. Things are going to be okay. But you need to repent and turn to me and then strengthen the brother. You see that, that connection there? That we're in the kingdom of God. We need to stay close because Satan is constantly... Wanting to sift us. He's constantly putting things in our lives that, that, that guys that, you know, there's a situation going on. I can see a double attack against this church in the situation right now. Satan is working two different angles. And it's so obvious to me. And we need to realize the darkness come against it and say, we're going to choose to let the light shine. And we're going to speak light to situations and not darkness to situations. Repent. Stay close to Him. Stay in Him. How to let your light shine. This light represents the presence of God. A lot of you don't probably realize that, but, but when you're a young kid, and I know I used to do it as a kid, I'd bring the light in, 
and I would light the candles each week, and that light represented God's presence. And, and I would light the candles, and this, this is a symbol. When you come in here, why do they light the candles? This is a representation of God's presence. And then at the end of the service, we would take the light out, saying that we go out, the light goes out with us. The presence of God is with us. Well, the, the light brings, uh, the, the fire brings light in the darkness, and we see that from the beginning of the time. God created the heavens and the earth, and it was dark. So God created the moon, and he created the sun to govern the light, or govern the darkness, to control the darkness. I thought it was so neat the Lord was showing me that Jesus was sent to control the darkness. Jesus came and paid the price in our life that darkness would not have any control, that darkness would be pushed out, and Jesus did that in our life. Let your light shine for him. Move in him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Let your light shine. How do I get closer to to Jesus? How do I get past all this? I press into him. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else is going to be added. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel. But instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out to all the sea so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. If you don't want to live in darkness, then light it up. Do you ever think about that? You know, as, as, as I was sitting up here today and I was watching everybody, I looked over at my dad. And, and, and I, I remember, and I don't know why I thought back to that, but every time before dad would preach, or most every time when he was a senior pastor before he had preached, he would be over here and he had come to a point where he got on his knees before God in a sign of surrender and a sign of repentance to show that, that he was humbled before God. And what better way to show our kids But what better way to show people the light in darkness when we mess up and call them stupid or we mess up and say something to them to say, hey, I'm sorry, I repent of that. What better way to let your light shine in the world? The other day, uh, I was. uh, seems like lately, every time Amy calls me, I'm in a situation and, 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 and I was upset the last two times she called me and I laid into her the last time that she called me. And I ate her lunch for no reason. And, and boy, the Lord got on to me about that. And I went and found her an hour later. And I said, I am sorry. I repent. You did nothing wrong. I'm sorry. What better way to let your light shine than to step out and say that I'm big enough that when I do mess up, that I know Jesus is God and that Jesus is in control. And I'm going to say I'm sorry. And I'm going to repent to somebody. Let your light shine. Let your light shine and don't hide it. Let them know that you're there. Ephesians 5.14 says, The light makes everything visible. The light reveals the truth. We don't have to sit there and be upset and worry about all things. The, The light will reveal the truth. 
We're going to get into that later today, and I think I'm going to skip this part for now. But, but in your reading, it talks about that Hammond, like ham and eggs, you know. Now, that was a joke. You can laugh, you know. I can't see your faces, so you got to make noise. But it's actually Haman and Mordecai. We're studying them right now. That was your reading yesterday, and we're going to get into that later. But everything that Haman tried to do to Mordecai came back on him. Everything. And, and we're going to get into that later. But, but if you think about that, that scripture doing to others, how you'd like them doing to you, that'll preach, wouldn't it? But we don't have to worry about things. Christ will take care of things. The light will take care of things. We just need to stay close to him. Press into him, self-exam, and allow him to do his things. Uh, uh, something that, that, that mom and dad always did to me, and, 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 and I'm going to share that now because I believe it's the time for it. But any time that I would come home complaining about a darkness in my life, mom and dad would say, well, what did you do? And it used to make me so bad. Take up for me right now. I can remember at my job at Freeman that, that getting into it with my boss to the point that, that I said, I'm quitting and I'm tired of your nonsense. And I was totally right in my eyes, totally right. And he called me a stubborn blankety blank blank. And, and I shared it with dad and dad said, well, what did you do? What did you do? What self-examination? Have you looked at yourself to see if things that maybe you need to deal with? And, and what better way to let your light shine than always examining yourself to make sure that you're where you need to be with the Lord. And I don't care how right you think you are, how wrong you think you are, whatever, but self-examine. In our reading, you can talk about that, and we'll just, I keep hitting that already, but, but the first thing that, that, that uh, Mordecai did when Haman came against him was the first thing he did was tear his clothes, and he did absolutely nothing wrong. But he tore his clothes as a sign of repentance and looking at myself. And he went into prayer and fasting. We call it RPW3 in his case. He did it three days. But he tore his, his clothes and went into time of examining himself. To say, oh, if there would be anything, Lord, evaluate me. Look at me, Lord, and see. Our job is to love our brother and love our father and let him take care of all other things. Another scripture the Lord put on my heart and he shared this one with me Wednesday night in prayer. And again, guys, come out. There's just something about corporate prayer. I mean, even if you can come 10 minutes. But he, but he shared with me on uh, Matthew 6, 22 through 24. And we're talking about self-examine. In other words, repent because of the actions... Uh, our actions determine whether there's light or darkness, how we respond to things. But, but he goes, Jesus says this, your eye is a light like a lamp and it provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light, if you, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I'm going to show a video here at this time, but, but, but it's, a, it's a kind of laugh at it. But my niece, had, uh, her little son, Ames, 
my great niece or my great nephew, Ames, is whenever he does something wrong, she asks him to sit down and he needs to realize he's done something, in other words, self-examine, and then he says he's sorry, then he can get up. And, and so this is a picture of his self-examination and how he responded when convicted. I need you to tell me sorry. I'm not sorry. You're not sorry? Mm-hmm. Ames, what you did was naughty. You need to tell me sorry. Tell me sorry. <laughs> You're not sorry? I need you to tell me sorry. Isn't that how we are a lot of times? Ames, what you did was naughty. You need to tell me sorry. Tell me sorry. You're not sorry? No, I'm not sorry. And again, in her defense, she was trying not to film that. She don't want to make a joke of it. But so many times, I believe the Lord convicts us of things, and and we sit there. Oh no, we're not sorry. We're not sorry. You know, we're 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 just not there, Lord. And and we fight it, and we need to not fight these things. But but something that happens, I believe, when we resist God and repenting and resist doing what He's asked us to do. It breaks our relationship. It, it, it hinders our relationship. We'll just start with that. And Jesus talked about that, that, that it, you need to watch that because refusing to repent will hinder your relationship. The other thing that we see in the scripture that, that Christ will talk about, refusing to repent, repent will kill the anointing. And we, we're going to go back in the apostles and, and we can go back to the Old Testament, New Testament. But what about Saul from the very beginning? You know, actually, go clear back to Cain from the very beginning. He said, repent, because sin is crouching at your door, and and it desires to have you. And Cain just ignored God. But God told him right off the bat in Genesis chapter 4, hey, repent, Satan's knocking on the door. No, no, not sorry, no, not sorry, going to do what I want. Well, it wishes to have you, and in that case, it had him. But even Saul, you can go to the, the Old Testament further up, the King Saul. He got off track and he kept getting off track, refusing to repent, refusing to do what God told him, refusing to do all these things. He got to the point where he called on a fortune teller. We see he lost the anointing. He lost his kingship because of doing that. He lost his position. So not saying sorry, refusing to repent places us in a bad way. If you go over to Matthew 5.25, 5.26, 5.27 through 28, Jesus was talking about lots of sins that, that we were, you know, Nick was read a bunch in 1 Corinthians. Actually, I had that scripture in there and didn't use it. But, but Nick read that, and we talk about these sins, that sins, all these things. But Jesus said when we don't deal with them, it puts us in prison in Matthew 5, 27, and eventually will put us in hell in Matthew 28, 5, 28. Because our accuser keeps going in, and it'll, he'll have us. But we're liable, and we need to make ourselves free of that it's important today to let your light shine because it's it's, i've been avoiding this and i'm just going to say it so the scripture said here and if the light you think you have is actually darkness how deep the darkness what that is saying is you get to the point that you allow yourself to be in the situation that you're in the sin that you're in do you get to the point that you think it's light there's nothing wrong with it. I can do, I'm above it. 
you're in big trouble right there. People has gotten to the point that their darkness, they think, is light. And that's where I think America is today. With not that, I can name a hundred things that where we justify and, and, and get to the point that we think we're walking in light and making stands that we think we're in light when we're in darkness. And that's what Jesus was saying in that scripture. Oh, whoa, man. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, man, how deep is that darkness? Man, it's deep. On Wednesday nights, we're setting the communion table up right here. And the Lord told me to put uh, repentance on one side, and he told me to put over here on the other side of, the, of revival because when we RPWS, we're going to have revival, but, but we're going to self-examine ourselves and, and, and we're going to do all these things here at these altars to kick it off. That's the first thing we're going to do on Wednesday nights. But we're going to restore ourselves. But, but the Lord gave me a scripture, and I was going to read it the other night, and I never got to it. But, but when the first Corinthians, when Paul was, uh, was telling them about communion, and Nick hit it today. That's so neat that Nick and Joel preached half the sermon. That's why I'm jumping around because they've already said it. But, but, but Paul was talking about how they're picking and chewing, choosing the sins and doing horrible things to the, in the brethren and all that. Then it goes on to say, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep. Sleep means dead. Spiritually or physically, however you want to look at it. In the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, when it was talking about repentance and Jesus listed everything from adultery to, to uh, he, I think the, the, probably the lightest thing I saw in there was you fool. And we think it's the lightest when all sins equal. But you fools actually means raka. Raka means empty head. And if you call somebody empty head or raka, you're in danger of hell's fire. It's comparable the same as adultery. But Jesus read off all these things. But after he got done reading all these things off to him, he says to him, but if you go to the altar and you find that you have these things in your life, immediately get up and go take care of them. That's how dangerous it was. Not to take communion, not to to go any further until you dealt with sin. Romans 6.1 says... Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body, my flesh, like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Wow. I beat my body, my flesh. Fasting is telling your body that, hey, the spirit man's in charge. We preached on that two weeks ago. Our spirit man wants to be in charge. And we need to ask God to help our spirit man be in the charge. 
But fasting is what we're doing, and, and, and that's what Paul was saying there. I beat my body. I let my flesh know that the Spirit is in control. And we need to do that. And we do that through fasting, through repenting, and all these things. But, but Wednesday, and I don't say this to brag, I started a, a fast on Wednesday, and, and I was going to fast all day. And again, as I always say, that I go to 9 or 10 o'clock some days and never eat, and it never bothers me. But when I started fasting Wednesday at 8 o'clock, I was hungry. At 9 o'clock, I was having spasms, and, and I was light. I was going to pass out. At 10 o'clock, I was about ready to faint. You know, it, it's just, it just our flesh is saying, no, no, no. But we're telling it our spirit's in control. And so as we started, and, and as I bring this, try to bring this back around, Isaac and you boys that play football, you guys work out and you beat your body to make it better in football. And we want to do that. In volleyball, we do all these great workouts and all these things, and, and that's great. Well, guys, I don't like it. It's hard on me nowadays. I don't want to do that, and that's where I look at repentance. You know, we look at repentance, we don't want to do it, but it will put us in great shape spiritually. And we're willing to get our physical body in shape so that we can be all that we want to be in football and softball and chess or whatever it is that we do. But what about the spirit man? Do we beat our spirit or let our spirit man in control and make our flesh come behind and do what God's called us to do? But when we do all these things that I'm talking about today, God's going to move all over us. He's going to do his thing. When darkness comes against us, God's going to turn it out for the good. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Again, in our reading, Haman came against Mordecai. Haman came against Mordecai simply because Mordecai wouldn't bow, or bow down and worship him. And that's what it's all about, really. Satan comes against you because he wants you to bow down and worship him. It hadn't changed. Go to Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus was attacked in the time of temptation, the devil said to him, if you'd bow down and worship me, you can have all these things. See, it's the same thing. Jesus wouldn't go in and, and, and bow down to Satan and so when Satan thought he put him on the cross and thought I showed him, when actually Satan, he gave us all the victory and didn't even realize it, God turned it on him. And that's the same way with Haman and, and Mordecai. Everything that, that Haman tried to do to Mordecai came around on him or blessed Mordecai. And we think of all those things again that, that Haman said, you know, I, I want to, to see him dead. And so he built a 75-foot steeple. And he was trying to kill Mordecai, and that's the way Mordecai was going to die. Who died on the 75-foot steeple? Haman did. And guess what? It's sad to say, but all of his kids did too. You know, uh, uh, Haman wished to have all the Jews' money, all of uh, Mordecai's money, all of his belongings, everything. That's what he wanted, and it was at his disposal. And if any Jew that was killed, any Jew that was, was uh, uh, taken down... They got the money. So if this guy's a Jew, I could go up, take him out, and I got all of his money. That was the decree. 
That was what they were told to do. Guess what? That was turned back around. That decree was lifted up, and God or the king gave permission to Mordecai to go out and kill the darkness in the land, and that he did, but he took none of their money because he didn't need their money. They had God. Did you guys catch that in the story? Didn't need their blessings. They had God. But the other one that I thought was so cool that, that, that Haman went to the king and the king said to him, you know, if I was going to bless somebody, if I was going to, to lift them up high in the kingdom, what would you do? And Haman's thinking he's talking about him. And he said, well, the first thing I'd do is I'd go get this robe, your robe, and I'd put it on that guy. And then I'd go out and get the horse that you ride, king, and I'd put him on that, that horse. And then I would take the best, the most prominent man in the kingdom, second command or whoever, and take them around and leading him, speaking all these kind words over him. Guess what Haman got to do to Mordecai when it was over with? Haman put the clothes on Mordecai. He put, the, he put Mordecai on the horse and he led Mordecai throughout the kingdom blessing him. All that darkness wanted to, do to, to, wanted to do to Mordecai was turned on him. This picture you see behind us here today. What darkness means to harm, God will shine his light. That just came in this morning. And again, I'm winging it big time today and it probably shows. But... but uh, uh, Beta sent me this picture this morning at five in the morning. And, and I hadn't told you guys I was going to bring it up today, but that's the church in, in Albania. That's the church there that we raised the money for and we raised plenty of money. But the day that we raised the money and Beta told them they had the money, they raised the prices on her. And then, then they, they, that, they got, she basically cut the contractor and went to another contractor eventually got to the point where Beta literally went in with the contractors and bought the wood herself because everybody's trying to come against her. This has been a mess since we started because Satan doesn't want us in there. Do you guys realize that's the only church in the hills? That's the only church out there, and it's the first of many, and Satan doesn't like it. He sees it. But again, that's just a building. I'm talking about the rugrats and the men and women of God that are in that building. Man, they're changing that area over there, and Satan doesn't like it. Beta finally called me two days ago, and I sent a text out to some of you and said, man, pray, this job has been shut down over and over and over. And it's not the, it's not the, the uh, lawyers and the police and the government. It's the people in the community don't want it. So they're calling in complaining, and the police come out and shut them down. They've been battling and battling and battling. When she sent me that picture today, I was like, bless God, hallelujah, wanting to run around the house because that's, that's just a, probably a day's progress there. But they're pushing through, and they're going to have that building, and they're going to have that church because what Satan means to harm, God is going to bless it. And we need to realize when we stay in repentance and we press into him, what Satan means for harm, God is going to bless us. Do we get that today? This is in every aspect of our life. And anything that we're doing, you just say to yourself, what Satan means for harm, man, God's going to bless me. The other day we were walking around and, and witnessing there at the Carthage with Oakton Carthage. And, and, and anyway, Angie went up and was ministering to these kids. And, and I'm waiting for it because uh, a lot of times you think witnessing people's all touchy-feely good. Well, she went up to a young boy and handed him a flyer 
and said, I'd never go to that church. I got kicked out of that church and opposed her. And I just watched her work, and she kept a smile on her face and just started dealing with the people and loving on them, letting her sharp light shine instead of saying, oh, yeah, I understand the darkness that's over that church. But she let her shot light shine, and I, I smiled at her, and she came back, and she said, you can't offend my faith. Man, if we would remember that, you can't offend our faith. You can't offend my faith. Because what the devil means for harm, God means for good. You can't offend me. Man, if we would take that approach, it would change our lives. Julie Compton has the hardest job in this church. And the Holy Spirit showed me that this morning at first service. And that's Julie over there. Wave, Julie. And it's not the singing. And it's not all these other things that she does. It's them candles. <laughs> Yesterday, this is the second or third set of candles I got into this. And that Julie watches the candles and makes sure they're bright and, and lit good. And, and I come in here yesterday and was lighting them and kind of looking at what God was showing me. And, and one, these are the second set I got on, but one had burned clear down to here. And the other one was here. And so I changed that out. And then, you know, even noticing the day during the service, man, these things were, were they were that high. The, the flames were that high. And, and now look at them. They're barely burning. And, and I'm thinking to myself, these things are the hardest things to keep going. And I, I pull this off here. And the reason them things are really struggling is because of the wax buildup. And you take that wax buildup away and look at that candle start take off. And then you go over here to this one here. And now we put these on there to keep the candles from dripping and running down the side so you don't have to replace the candles again like I'm going to have to do after this, or she's going to have to do. <laughs> but it keeps the dripping from going on, but it also controls the, the, the burn of them. But look how the candles burn when you take all the junk away and let them just burn. Well, that's when the Holy Spirit told me that he has the hardest job. God's already lit the fire. Jesus has already paid for everything on the cross. The Holy Spirit's job is to keep us burning bright, and it's a hard job. He convicts us. He's a helper. He's with us all the time, but he's, he's wanting us to burn bright. Guys, Jesus took care of sin on the cross. And that's why we need to stay in repentance. And the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you today, has dealt with you on things. Are you willing to get the wax out? Clean your ears so you can hear. I just thought of that. It's a gross one there. But clean the wax out so that you can burn bright. And that's all repentance is. You're wanting to operate in the kingdom of God, that capacity. So you're keeping the wax out. So that you can burn bright for Jesus. That's all it's about. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, that's the first step. Is accept Him, that fire will go into you. And I was saying earlier, Christ has forgiven you of your sins. He throws them as far as the east is from the west, and He remembers them no more. And he wants you to come to him today. 
But it's more than that in the package. He brings deliverance. Deliverance is anything, any darkness that hinders you, he'll take care of that. Anything that hinders you and your, your spirit, the Lord will, the, the Holy Spirit will take care of that. Guys, Jesus is even taking care of healing on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. And we need to receive the healing. A lot of us run around and say, we had a guy preaching here one time, and I really struggled with it because he was going on that, that his life was wrecked because he was wearing the cross. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'm not saying we're not going to have hard times, but we can shine bright in the darkest times. Some of the hardest times in my life I've heard from God more than I did in the good times. I shined even brighter. And to be honest with you, the other day I, the Lord convicted me that I shine brighter when I'm afflicted. Because when things are going good, my light dims because I don't need him as much. Isn't that sad that we only shine bright when we need him to take care of something in our life? And my goal is to shine bright when the, in the good times. And that's when it's tough. Because we're so self-reliant. But see how them candles that are burning twice the height? Because they freed themselves. And that's all repentance does. It frees you. Christ has already taken care of it at the cross. Our first John 1, 9. Repent, confess, and he delivers you from all unrighteousness. Is a nutshell. But he delivers us from all unrighteousness but he's here today and I want you guys to just examine your life I challenge you to come out